Hi, listeners. Consider joining Kate and I for a full live and in-person week of rewilding in the wilds of Costa Rica on yoga and meditation retreat, May 11th to the 18th, this coming 2024. Space is limited. But for more information on this event and how to register, go to www.oneyogaglobal.com. That's O-N-E, yogaglobal.com. This episode is being sponsored by Revival, a women-owned and operated clothing store located in downtown Iowa City, offers a curated selection of modern, resale, and vintage clothing and gifts. Revival focuses on brands that empower women and promote ethical and sustainable practices. Making sure your wardrobe and your style look great while doing our planet and community good. Celebrating 20 years this fall, find them on the Ped Mall in downtown Iowa City or shop 24-7 online at RevivalIowaCity.com. Use promo code TENDHER23 for 15% off your purchase. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. Tinder podcast listeners. Today, it's just Kate and I, and we are going to dive into the deep and wide topic of resilience. And in fact, this week we started uh, Tend Her, which is an online program. We've done it three years in a row. And the theme this year is resilience. So part of what uh, I'm teaching in this four-week online course, and by the way, if you haven't signed up, it filled to the max. However, we're offering this online portion for free. Anytime you listen to this, you might listen to this a year down the road. You can still join in all the free content. So we're gonna give you all the links in the show notes before. But one of the things that I'm diving into in terms of teaching on resilience is what it is, what it isn't, and the importance of each of us being able to articulate our own resilience story. And so today, Kate and I are going to work through the vulnerable twist and turns of what each of our resilient story is all about. Hi, Kate. Hello. How you feeling? Good. Good. This is important work for all of us to step back and reflect, especially Agreed. right now. I, I want to honor to the times we're living in, which with the conflicts going on in the world, the pain, the suffering that we're watching, the compassion that, and the heartbreak, I think a lot of us are feeling, it does require daily resilience, actually, I think, to be able to reckon with that, to hold the light and the dark at the same time. And I just want to honor. Yeah, thank you for that. And also honoring that this is the nature of life is that there is chaos and heartbreak and pain and terror and overwhelm. This is as much a part of life as the joy and the beauty and the light and the goodness and the positivity which I agree is why we all need resilience. And so I think what I'd like to do before we go into our own personal telling of resilience is really talk about just briefly 
what is resilience and what isn't it? And the first piece that I think is so key is resilience is not being stoic. It's not being overly positive and looking for the good in every situation. It's not bouncing back after some hard event. It's also not something that only certain people have. It's actually in all of us. I truly believe we all have this steady, stable core in us. It's never gone away. It's always been there. Some of you, some of us at various times don't feel it. We don't know it's there. We forget it's there. We forget we have this sort of deep anchor point in us. Um, and that's why we can remember and strengthen this resilience muscle so that what I think is resilient is that we have to be willing to feel. So what you just brought up, we have to feel. Yeah. Absolutely. Resilience is not like I'm, I'm, I'm strong and I'm not going to, I'm just going to motor through all of this. That's not resilience. That's, that's being numbed out. Resilience is I got to feel everything. I got to feel the pain, the heartache, the terror, the fear, sadness, the joy, the bliss, the ecstasy. I have to feel it all. I have to let that energy move through my system instead of pushing some of it away, allowing other parts of it. It's like feeling your to, life. Allowing it to get stuck in you. Yes, which is what happens to all of us. We all have stuck energy, stuck memory, stuck trauma. And resilience is, uh, I think it's feeling your life, but it's also releasing that which you're ready to release. And it's showing up. It's showing up in a really clear, mindful uh, way. Uh, so it's sort of standing in the wind, standing in the midst of all of it, um, not getting toppled over by it because you're connected to this inner anchor point, which again, it's in everyone. It's been there since you were born. It's not as if it's ever gone away. We just get disconnected or it gets covered up um, by all the challenges of life. I also think of it as being able to harness your inner strength, uh, which doesn't mean you don't need other people or that you have to suffer alone, but that we all have this inner strength, like you said, this inner resilience muscle and and how can you harness that in difficult times and and know that you can tap into it. Yeah. So the reason we all, I think, need to understand our resilience story is that um, everyone has resilience and everyone's been through hard stuff and it really hones us. And so uh, part of this course is kind of acknowledging and feeling what you've been through, understanding what parts need to be released, what parts need to be bolstered, um, and being able to sort of own your story. So you and I agreed earlier this week, I don't know if you're still on board, but we're <laughs> like, we are going to wade our way into our own resilient stories. And you and I have not pre-talked about this. Mm -hmm. We have not written it out. We have not sort of articulated it in a clear way. So we were ready for this podcast. We're like, we're just going to show up. We're going to hold space for each other and we're going to be vulnerable as we begin to kind of allow our own resilience story to emerge. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can go first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to think about aspects of your life that have forced you or given you the opportunity to start to be able to connect with this strong 
core that's mm-hmm. been there. What sort of guided you or what has been a, a pivotal period in your life that has opened you into your own resilience? So when I was thinking about this, I tried to kind of look at my whole life and threads that I saw. And for me, it really began in my early childhood. I had throughout probably my first experience was probably when I was two, I had to wear braces on my legs Mm. to straighten out my legs. And it was painful. I don't, I don't have a lot of memory other than my mom and dad telling me that it was really hard for them to do this with me. I think you've talked about this. We both maybe had that. So I think about from the beginning, um, the issues of my body. So Mm. first my legs, I broke my arm in kindergarten and it was actually an incident where someone threw something at me and it broke my arm and I knew something was wrong, but it was kind of a delayed response. It wasn't until the next day that they told me we, we went in and found out it was broken. I woke up in second grade and couldn't walk on one of my ankles and um, ended up having Seavers disease, which is kind of your growth plates. So I was growing at a, at a strange pace, but for about a day, they thought I had bone cancer. And I remember that wow. very well. And my parents' fear kind of coming through. Um, I had knee surgery in high school, which kind of leveled me for about eight months and a lot of PT. So I, I kept thinking about these times when my body wasn't working mm. right, or I had these injuries and how each time, even at a young age, I had to kind of bounce back from that. I played sports. I ended up not being sidelined too long and I was able to perform. But I do think for years with all of these compounded injuries, I became disconnected to my body and it failed me. Mm. Um, And I say all that because as an adult, I got married. It was about two and a half years into our marriage when we decided to try to have children. I was in a very stressful job and was not able to get pregnant. And so for about a year, I had infertility workups and treatments and doctor's appointments. And it was just another period in my life where I was like, here we go again. Like, Mm -hmm. and I don't know that I really connected all that. Super conscious. No, but looking back, I think my disconnection to my body had a lot to do with probably some of the, some of the stress and I was putting on myself to you know, my body was not working right. I felt we knew it wasn't Joe's issue. We had to go through all those tests as well. And so I felt very responsible for the fact that it was your fault. Mm-hmm. Your fault. Yeah. And the other piece of my story is that I really ended up kind of internalizing or suffering alone. Mm. I didn't really have a group of women that were um, experiencing the same thing. People around me were actually Getting having pregnant. children. Yeah. Yes. You know how that goes. It's like when you're trying to get pregnant, everyone is pregnant around you. And I don't think looking back that I even, that I even really 
acknowledge to a lot of people that we were trying. Mm. So my resilience story when it comes to kind of my body then is just kind of feeling that having to overcome uh, and not be so hard on myself. And I eventually got pregnant and it felt like this major victory, but I still remember being really nervous that it was going to work and then ended up having two more children with a little bit of fertility help there too. Um, So a lot of those body things for me, I think, and bouncing back and feeling like I could overcome and be strong. I remember finding one woman who lived in an apartment building near us and she opened up to me about her fertility struggle. And it was the first time that I said it out loud. And so I also think that was a lesson in not needing to suffer alone. Alone. Yeah. And that was powerful for me to have that relationship with her. Yeah. And we ended up doing a lot of walks and talks. And I think certainly probably informed even my work to this day of working with others on what they want, Mm. coaching others, working with people's dreams and what they want to not just accomplish, but like how they want to be and how they want to live. A lot of those things for me, I think that I didn't maybe have the support or I didn't reach out is now I've turned it on to how I'm providing that for others. Yeah. So those were pivotal for me as part of my resiliency story, I think. And, and again, I think when it's happening, you don't necessarily recognize the resilience that you had, but as I like reflect back, there was a lot of that, you know, physical ailment, recover, yeah. another physical recover. I put a lot of demands on my body uh, through sports and while I, I feel like sports are a great way to be embodied. I don't know that I truly was. It was more of a performance. Actually, I think sports are often a way to be very disembodied because there's a um, embodied action is actually feeling. And often with sports, I mean, you could be embodied, but not always because there's more of a focus on what's actually the ball or the, yes, right. And so to actually be so bodied work is like, you're so in touch with all the sensations and the feet, the feelings. And sometimes when you're in sports, you kind of have to cut the feelings off at times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's kind of my, my resilient story that I would share about my connection to myself. Mm. And then the one I will share that. So as part of, you know, moving through my life, more of a connection with with another person and in my relationship really came about seven, eight years ago. And, you know, being married for many, many years and watching my husband kind of struggle through some childhood trauma that had come up for him and the impact that that had on our relationship and our marriage and the need to really reassess where we were mm. and and how you become so interconnected with someone in the patterns that form. And then when a trauma is kind of discovered late in life and the impact that's had on him his whole life that he wasn't conscious to yeah, really impacted my 
ability to be there for him um, and understand and see how that intersected with our own relationship. And it, it was definitely a period of kind of a deep reset, I would say, and required individual growth and collective growth. So there was this back and forth for many years of like helping him, but also needing to to be resilient on my own self. And, and so I think perhaps some of the resilience that I experienced early in life with some of those physical things and the strength I developed in some ways, I think helped prepare me for that. I was also the oldest daughter, the strong one, the leader, doing everything first. And I, I do think I came into this world with a level of um, kind of str- strength and inner strength. And yeah, and I think resilience is, is often about tapping into that. Yeah. So... And I'm curious about you know, not only, first of all, how are you doing? This is a very therapist question right now. <laughs> it's very psychologist in me, but like, good. I mean, how are you feeling just sort of putting this all out there? Um, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's important and I think it's, you know, it's not easy to share kind of all of these parts of your story, but they are, they are part of who you are and yeah it's honest. And so, yeah, I think I, I mean, I'm feeling, I feel good sharing it. Okay. It's honest. Yeah. 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 And I mean, resilience is going through hard stuff. Like you're talking about, um, childhood injury, childhood illness, infertility, uh, challenges in an interpersonal relationship. And it's feeling all of that. It is growing through that. And I believe it's also coming out on the other end uh, with a new awareness, a new strength, a new capacity. And I feel like you kind of already alluded to one of your capacities is really being able to help people figure out what they desire in the work that you do. But what would you also say are some of the other capacities and gifts that have come out of the suffering? Because I think resilience as we go through suffering, can we feel it? Can we acknowledge it? Can we learn from it? Can we grow from it? And then I do think we develop these new superpowers, um, these new strengths that come out of the suffering. What do you think would be sort of the strengths you've developed because of the pain that you've gone through? Definitely bringing women together, the strength of Do you think that came from that friend, like being able to actually talk about your pain and have someone else because you weren't talking about it with women. And you've talked about traditionally, you didn't share a lot with women. You kind of kept things up the surface. Yeah. No, I definitely think that 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 became kind of a superpower was recognizing that I had some key people that really helped me through hard times. And a lot of women don't may suffer in silence or not have that connection or feel they feel very alone in their experience. So I do think that emerged for me as something I wanted to bring into the world and, Mm -hmm. and be able to create community around. Mm -hmm. And, and I would say even the birth of this podcast and our conversations about talking about real issues, you know, things we feel like are important, things that we 
want to have conversations about and encourage others to think about. I think it's definitely been a catalyst for that as well. So, so probably bringing women together and also using my voice in a different way, in a more public way and less of a, a, a quiet way. I mean, I think being trained in the law and being trained in using my voice to advocate for others has been a thread for me, but in some ways, I think I developed the strength to advocate for myself. Yeah. You advocated first for others for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then throughout some of these painful things that have happened in your life, especially the last maybe seven or eight years, you learned to sort of advocate for yourself and take care of yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you feel like you want to say to sort of close the circle on sort of, and, and what's been this, what's this process been like for you to kind of identify your own resilience story? Oh, I think it's very empowering. I think we often don't take the time to really reflect on how far we've come and how much we've been through and and the threads that emerge. And so I think it's really, I mean, for me, it's really powerful to actually spend the time thinking, to reflect and and look for those things. And I will also say that, you know, just to kind of close this out, that through all of those experiences, as hard as they were, there's so much good that has come from all of them. And it doesn't mean that everything's rosy and easy, but I do think it's important to note that walking through the fire, walking through pain, walking through struggle, the self-awareness, the ability to live more fully, be more wholehearted in how you also show up in your life, for me, has definitely been true. So I think my relationships I know are better, even with friends, and they feel more authentic. I feel, you know, true truer to my purpose in life and what it is I want to do. I think it's informed my career. So I will just say I, I am a believer that that walking through the fire leads to can lead to a much clearer and more positive and kind of a brighter way to to go about life. And so um so I'm in a good place personally right now. And I just want to share that sometimes you look back and think things are necessary even though at the time, you know, it's hard, yeah. but it's led to greater things. Yeah. So I do want to honor that um, one of our podcast guests, we have a candle burning mm-hmm. from Christina, who was on one of our episodes from Denmark, a doctor from Denmark. And uh, uh, it reminds me like, like everyone's light, even through hard things continues to burn. And so we've got it sitting here with us. Yeah. It's burning Thank you, right Christina. in between us. So what about you? Yeah. I really haven't prepared a particular thread. So I'm actually going to really trust my intuition and my instinct about where I need to go today and talking about my own resilience. Um, I think that, as I said before, everyone is born with resilience. Everyone has a strong inner core. Um, Mine got really covered up um, starting about age five. And although I had strong support systems around me, I had a strong and bright mind. 
I had a lot of um, beautiful people and things and experiences in my life. Um, I was really severed from sort of the the light of my true being um, because of an incident that happened at five. And I haven't actually ever talked about this publicly, but it feels like today is the day to kind of share because um, I now understand it in a, a new way. And I think I'm going to start with how I discovered it. Um, which wasn't until my early 40s, actually. And it was in the middle of the pandemic. We've talked actually a lot about pandemic and the, you know, I think I early on realized and even in how I was teaching about mental health during the pandemic was that the pandemic was a pressure cooker. And so it pressurized all of us and so the shit that we hadn't been able to look at, see, deal with, have time for right there in front of us rose up to the surface. It just boom, it was there. And I was right there with everyone in the pressure cooker. And um what felt like my core issue during the pandemic was my marriage, which felt like it was falling apart and was real struggle. And so I was doing some really deep therapeutic work, which I've been committed to really. I mean, I think you don't, well, you can become a psychologist, I guess, and not do any of your own therapeutic work, but that was not the path that I decided upon. I right. feel like for me to really be authentic in the work I do and in the healing um, that I believe in, I have to be engaged in it. So I feel a commitment and I, I really felt this from early on that I have to be committed to my own healing and my own practices. I'm such a committed practitioner and student because I feel like if I'm going to lead and be present for anyone else, I have to have done the true deep you. work, the deep work. But in this particular, I, I didn't see this coming. I was doing some therapeutic work with a psychologist and I had a memory resurface. Um, and of course I'd studied and learned about repressed memories. I knew that people can have bad things happen and they can repress it and push it down. So I intellectually knew all about this, but had no idea that I had a deep repressed memory in my system that I had pushed down for 35 years. And it came right up to the surface. So the memory that rose for me, it, it started out, I was doing kind of hypnotic type work with this psychologist. And what started out as I, I felt uh, cold, I, I was I was transported back to my childhood and and I could feel viscerally like this, this coldness, like taking over my body. And the memory that came up is that I'd been molested in, by a stranger in a skating rink. It was very quick, it was very brief. Um, but all of the visceral moments came back to me almost immediately. Like I could hear the slamming of the door. I could I could feel the air around me. And, and the coldness I understand now because I've spent now years integrating and processing what happened um, was my dissociation. So as a five-year-old, I left my body to survive. And uh, coldness is a classic, you know, sort of sign of dissociation that you're, you're just not in the body. And so grateful for my beautiful nervous system that protected me in that way. 
I then didn't tell anyone. I, I do remember once this memory resurfaced that the perpetrator whispered in my left ear. And it's really interesting that I can still feel in my own system that the energy came. He was behind me and he whispered into my left ear, you are a good little girl and good little girls stay quiet. Mm. And so I did stay quiet. I think because I dissociated so much during the event that it was gone. I mean, that's what dissociation does. You leave the event, you don't remember the event. And I didn't remember the event until I was, I don't know, 43. Yeah. But the details were very clear. But my body remembered the event and my nervous system remembered the event. And my attachment remembered the event. And so when this event came back up into my consciousness, it was a shock. I didn't believe it at first. It was overwhelming. I, you know, I had panic attacks for about nine months that would come and go. My whole system was like, what? And then I also had to like integrate that everything that I thought had been true about my life up until that age of 44 was not true. Mm. So like I had to like re and re like think my whole life. Like I thought I grew up and I had this idyllic childhood and nothing bad happened to me. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, something really bad happened to me. And, and it also began to answer all these questions for me. Like I knew that I was a sensitive child. I knew that I was extremely intuitive, like almost psychic in a way. Like I knew I was always reading energy of rooms. I knew, and now it all makes sense, right? That I, as a kid, because this bad thing had happened, I developed this superpower of being able to read everyone's energy and know who was safe and know who wasn't safe and know the room and know the situation going on and feel all of that. Like my, I had to get so tuned yes. to everyone outside of me to keep myself safe. But then what happened is I lost any kind of inner attunement. And this has been my work in the last probably, I don't know, eight years with myself is that um, my form of protection in my life was just to be able to read everyone, feel everyone's energy, understand everyone's motives, sort of, mm -hmm. and this is all happening at a subconscious level, of course, sure. but being so tuned into everyone's needs around me. And I, I even think I can see it in my friendships and in college relationships. It's like, I knew what everyone needed. I knew what everyone was feeling around me. I just could read that so well. And, but I wasn't reading myself right? because all of my energy was going into reading Extreme. environment and eat. And now I can see it was just, it's how I stayed safe. It was yeah. like from this deep trauma, it's like how I stayed safe. And it made me a, freaking phenomenal psychologist because I could read like so clearly my client. That's an example I of it. I could feel, yeah. it was my superpower. I could yeah. feel when they described to me, I could feel it in my own system. I knew, but what did it do is it completely disconnected me from myself, my needs, my desires, my boundaries. I mean, I had the boundaries in terms of like being able to read everyone, um, but it, it was a deep disconnection from self. So I think the since the resurgence of this memory for me, my 
integration work has been bringing my attention and awareness back to myself. And I also think it was no accident that several years prior, I'd started a daily meditation practice. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that this memory, yeah, the pandemic was part of what allowed it to come up. But more than that, my whole system was softening, which allowed, and I think I was getting deeper and stronger in my own sense of self and my own strong inner core with all this meditation that I was doing, with all this inner work that I was doing, that I was finally ready to see it. Like, I think my mind was so wise. It was like before then I wouldn't have been ready for it. It would have totally destabilized me. But that moment in my early forties, it's almost like my psyche was like, you're ready for this now. Yeah. Ready to see this, to feel this, to understand this, to integrate this, to grow from this. And then to be of service to the world because of this. So, um, but to get to this point today where I can actually talk about it and I'm very observant in myself right now that I am very steady in myself, which is a little bit surprising because in the past when I've talked about it with close friends or, you know, shared it with other people, I can feel still a a jitteriness, a a palpable tremor in me. And I don't feel that today. They say when you share from your scars versus your open wound. Mm, Yeah, you're right. I wasn't probably ready to talk about it in a public way until now. And I guess this moment is also showing me that all of the inner integration and healing work and strengthening work that I've been doing is um it's it's working yeah it's working and that's part of your resilient story too i think right is all the work yeah that you've done yeah and the tools and i it this may might sound sound very strange but clearly well not clearly because people wouldn't know this but um a lot of my healing work has been with my inner child it's been with my five-year-old self who was clearly traumatized and scared and shut down and her voice was cut off. And she clearly felt so unsafe to tell her very loving parents what had happened. You know, she was so terrified. Um, And so, so much of my work has been with her and honoring her and seeing her and helping her and supporting and nurturing her and loving her. And, um, And that has been key, right? Because all these different ages that we've lived are still in us, you know, Mm -hmm. all these different aspects of self, they're still in us. And so my, you know, my 40 year old self is she's strong and she's competent and she's smart and, you know, um, but it's, it's this five-year-old self and then the eight-year-old self and the 10-year-old self and the developing self that you know, the teenage self that was so didn't understand any of this um, and was just trying to please and do everything right and achieve and never make a mistake and be on everyone's good side as a way to stay safe. And now, uh, so it's been sort of reclaiming her and helping her that now I think is allowing me to individuate and really listen to myself and become who I really am Mm -hmm. instead of 
live from my coping mechanisms. And so I lived 40 years from my coping mechanisms of read the room, study the energy, feel everyone, intuitively tap in, be good, don't make mistakes, make sure everyone loves you, um, be perfect. That's going to keep you safe. And so that's how I lived, right? Quite right. successfully, which that's also a, you know, mind fuck is that you <laughs> are living from your coping mechanisms and you're doing just great, mm-hmm. great, I'm quotation marks. Um, so it's a, it's a new, it's been a new chapter and I'm not arrived. I'll never arrive. I'll still be integrating this until I'm sure my last breath, but I'm in a new chapter now of living more from my needs, from, um, reading myself instead of having to read everyone around me, um, stepping more into my own inner strength, stepping more into that sense of resilience and deep deep core and, and understanding and forgiving myself for everything that happened up until this point, because now I understand why I did all those things. Right. Yeah. And you can have self-compassion. Yeah. Much more self-compassion. There's also, I think, common theme here of like, um, with any hard thing there, grief is a big part of it. And, uh, the loss of what you thought to be true. I, I had that same experience. And so, when, and I don't think grief, we've talked, we did a whole episode on grief. It's not a straight line. It's not, you know, moving from one stage to the next, and then you graduate it's back and forth, but there is a level I hear from you of, of kind of acceptance and then being able to integrate, which to me is the step we don't talk about is that, you know, moving through that grief, there is the need to also integrate that into yourself, who you are, what you do, how you show up. Um, as, as all of you now, I I'm, wouldn't even say I'm showing up as all of me. Cause I don't even know what that means yet. I don't think anyone knows what that means, honestly, well, no. but, <laughs> I but think there's, we're still discuss. I mean, I, I think that's why we're here is right. to keep, but, conti- but having more awareness of all the, of the pieces that you didn't know about. Before. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think trusting for myself that, you know, at the age of 22, I decided that I wanted to pursue psychology. I didn't know why. I just, I thought I was really interested in it. I pursued psychology and my focus was somatics. It was mind-body connection. It was, it was understanding how trauma lives in the body. I mean, hello. I mean, my soul and psyche were so wise that they're like, we're going to put you on this path to learn about all this stuff. And yeah, I learned for 25 years, I learned all about this stuff, having no idea that I was a victim of trauma, right? It was, that's again, fascinating to me, but I also believe, you know, so it, so I sort of knew I was always a healer that that was in me, that that was natural for me. Even before I went to graduate school, I was the girl in college that people were sitting on my bed telling me their problems and I was helping them, you know? So I always knew I had this healer energy, but what I know now is that I had to be wounded deeply to actually be able to tap into the capacity of healing that I give to myself and others. It's of course the wounded healer archetype. And I just didn't, I always thought, well, I'm the healer, but I'm not wounded. I'm not wounded. 
you know, like I've had a, I've had a really nice yeah. upbringing. I'm not wounded. And so the awareness and the humbling of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, you were deeply wounded and you've been carrying that. You just were a master at covering up as everyone is. Everyone has this capacity when we're coping to kind of cover over their wounds. But for me to finally own the wound, acknowledge the wound, um, honor it, listen to it, continue to look at it, continue to be present with it, continue to touch into it. And then also see it is also a power. Like it's given me a power to keep moving into healing work, keep on, you know, like it, it, I see it now as a wound and also like the source of my own inner strength and power, but it wasn't, I, I want, listeners to know that didn't come immediately. What came is a total falling apart, a total deconstruction of everything I knew to be true. Yeah. And years of that, right? This wasn't an overnight process. I mean, this is now maybe five years later that I'm finally at a point where I'm like, oh, and it is now the source of so much of my strength. Thank you. Thank you. Wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it is it is part of my inner strength and power now. Um, and I think that is what resilience is about. It's like, we're going to go through hard things. Can we feel them? And again, I couldn't feel them at five. I had to actually feel them at 44. And you were ready. Mm -hmm. Can we feel it? Can we let it process through our system? Can we be with it? And then can we not go back? Because I can never go back. But can we bounce forward? Can we use what we've been through as, again, a sense of a source of power and a capacity to really move forward and use it in, in your life. Right. And so. how you, how you show up. Yeah. Thank you for, yeah. I think there's, there is great power in telling our stories and also being together in that. And I think that's the beauty of tend her community yeah. is we have all gone through hard things. We are not alone. And just that community piece of coming together that um, we derive strength from one another too. And uh, so glad to have kind of this community of listeners and also the tender overall community to, to know that we're, we're here for one another. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going through something really challenging right now, you are not alone. Um, and more than that, you do have a strong, steadfast inner core. It's never left you. It will never leave you. There's nothing that can take it away from you, but it may take some support and community and therapy and healing and courage to actually reconnect to it. But I promise you it's there. Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode, please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. 
Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week. The